With a chronic disease patient, there will be multiple inputs that is driving that patient's illness. And so whilst a medication may or may not work effectively across a couple of pathways, there may be thousands of pathways that also need to be looked at and resolved over time. And that takes a lot of work, both from the practitioner and from the patient. So you've got to team up. You've got to be brutally honest about how long this is going to take. And you've got to really put the work in. Pete Williams is the founder of Functional Medicine Associates. He is most interested in how and why an illness occurs in an individual. I'm Liz Earle and welcome to the Liz Earle Wellbeing Show. This is the podcast that helps us all have a better second half. And it's my mission to find ways for all of us to thrive in later life by investing in our health and our well-being today. Well, this is the first episode of 2024. So today I want to look to the future of healthcare by understanding functional medicine. This is a real whole body approach to healthcare and I've noticed it becoming such a buzzword right now and it's an area of healthcare and wellness that I've been delving into while researching for my new book, A Better Second Half, out at the end of April 2024 and I've become increasingly convinced that it's the future for genuine wellness, not just about treating the symptoms of disease but addressing their root cause and protecting our health as we age. Well, Pete is an exercise and physical scientist. We actually met about 25 years ago, I worked out, when he founded a high-end gym in London. And in 2013, he was in the first worldwide cohort to be awarded Institute for Functional Medicine Certified Practitioner status and has represented the Institute as a clinical innovator. He was an early adopter of the Professor Dale Bredesen training to better understand neurodegeneration and has treated people with a really wide range of chronic diseases, all of which we'll come to during this conversation. Pete has over 20 years of experience applying functional medicine in clinical practice. So what does a truly personalised approach to medical care look like? Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Pete, welcome. And let's start with you. And I know that you're going to be very humble about this, but as an old friend of mine, I mean, I was looking at the dates, it must be at least 25 years ago, I think that we first met, I am going to say that you are a highly accomplished individual working in this space. You're a real pioneer. And, you know, I am so impressed by your level of detail and your research and everything, this journey that you've been on for the last, you know, two decades or more. Where did your personal interest and, and your understanding, I guess, of functional medicine begin? 
Yeah, it's a good question. I suppose the first half of my career really is, and I think still now, is a, I'm an exercise scientist. I have a, a couple of degrees in, in exercise science and I've always been interested in exercise as it applies to health and general populations. And that's fantastic now because I think the research coming out with regards to exercise as a modality to create better health it's probably the polypill for all ills. So it is probably the primary intervention that anyone can do for the best outcomes. Mm-hmm. Certainly, obviously, that was my original background. I had a very small little lifestyle medicine clinic um, in the central London, um, around about 95. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's actually an osteopathic friend of mine said, there's a guy coming into London. He only comes once a year. You should go and listen to him. It's right down your alleyway. And this guy was called Dr. Jeffrey Bland, who is, if mm-hmm. you like, rena- renowned and known as the godfather of functional medicine. Yes. And he did a full day lecture on his lecture was titled uh, The Heart on Fire. And it really was a sort of real deep dive with regards to a more updated understanding about what causes heart disease. And it was so completely different to anything I've ever heard before. The way he presented the science, the storytelling and, and the science as well, it just completely blew me away. I'd never heard a different side to cardiovascular disease like this. And and that was it for me. This was 96 mm-hmm. and he had set up the Institute for Functional Medicine that had been going for about 15 years or so before I ever went to any of his lectures. And so I knew that pretty much from that lecture, that was going to change my career. Uh, I got involved with the Institute for Functional Medicine late 90s, 96, 97. And then I suppose the second half of my career from there was, was really going through all the postgraduate education with regards to understanding functional medicine and understanding how to apply it. Mm. And obviously I have a, a central London clinic. We've been, God, we've been going now, as I said, 95, 96. So it's very well established. We've seen thousands of patients. And I suppose I suppose that I know functional medicine is becoming more and more of a term that more people are being more aware with. I think mm-hmm. the beauty for us is that we've we've... It's probably been in the trenches for 25 years. So not only do we have a probably really good understanding of functional medicine, we also have had the capacity to apply it over several decades. And I think that gives us just a a much deeper understanding of how things apply and play out with individuals yeah so, in, in real life real life experience with yeah with, I, I, with you know team. I think there's a lot around uh, there's a lot around with regards to hey there's this new side of medicine and and it's uh it's going to solve everything and and whilst you know I think very experienced practices and practitioners in functional medicine do have this unique capacity to take someone who maybe has been seen through conventional medicine pathways and does not get any work you you have this capacity to look at an individual in a very different way Mm. and so you're you're not practicing acute medicine what you're what you're doing is trying to trying to understand not just how you work with those patients symptoms and try and resolve the symptoms but also try to take the root cause approach and Mm -hmm. and really work with someone from from a chronic disease and 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 try and work out over time how you can make them better and it's it, it, and like like everything in life it you know the obviously the more you've had the, the capacity to work the more experience you've had just the, the sort of better mm. you get at 
being able to play that out. I think what's really impressive about the work of functional medicine practitioners and, and the extraordinary success rates is that you are often given really chronic diseases and issues. You know, people will come to you when they've exhausted pretty much all conventional routes. You know, you talk about the difference between acute care medicine, which, you know, obviously you need immediate treatment for something right now. Agreed. You know, but these long term chronic issues, our healthcare system just doesn't seem to have caught up, particularly in terms of nutritional advances or, you know, even, you know, using exercises as prescriptive medicine. And yet, even though people will come to you when all else has failed you are still able to get extraordinary results what what does that mean for you as a practitioner when you have that kind of whole body approach because you're you're obviously doing a deep dive into why that person is presenting with all these symptoms in the first place not just fixing the symptoms but fixing the person well look I think you've done a really good description of of what you're trying to achieve I think the I think the key for me is that people have to accept that if they come to us, they're going to get a very different process. Um, And they're also going to have to have a pretty honest conversation about what is going to need to be done. And also what I would say on that is that um, a lot of the time, it's going to need the best of conventional medicine and the best of functional medicine, particularly the, you know, the real chronic ones, because, you know, they, they may be on polypharmacy, you know, they're on a whole host of medications and, mm. and um, you know. For you can't some just time. stop that, can you? No, you can't. So uh, there's a fine balance. Uh, I think what we, what I've got quite good at is, is that when a patient comes in, you just in, in, intuitively now know, even at the sort of best pace that you can go with this patient, how long maybe this journey is going to take for them to get better. Because a lot of this is that they're going to have to change quite considerably some significant aspects of their lifestyle and what I would say on that is that when a patient's ready to make all the changes it's it's not that difficult for us to get them better because again if if you've been doing this for quite a long time you you have a pretty good understanding of maybe some of the underlying pathways that need to be looked at and maybe need to be solved Mm-hmm. But then you've got to have a patient who is, number one, incredibly compliant. And number two, will accept that this journey isn't going to be easy. No, it's not just take, take take this medicine, take take a pill, that they're going to have to put the work in, aren't they? Yeah, so look, I think, I think this is where we are. I always have a really robust conversation at the beginning about what's going to be involved. And I think, you know, if you, if you look, I suppose, at, at, at a conventional medicine, sort of strategy a lot of the time it is dominated by um, pharmaceuticals now I'm not suggesting that's the wrong thing at all but what I am suggesting is that here's the pill for your ill Mm -hmm. now with a chronic disease patient there will be multiple inputs that is driving that patient's illness and so whilst a medication may or may not work effectively across a couple of pathways there may be thousands of pathways that also need to be looked at and resolved over time and that takes a lot of work both from the practitioner and from the patient so you've got to team up you've got to be brutally honest about how long this is going to take mm-hmm. and you've got to really put the work in Liz mm-hmm. you know it's it's like everything mm-hmm. in life you yeah. know if, if, you, if you're not yeah. prepared to put the work in and also prepare that you never get good outcomes unless there's a you know there's a little bit of pain involved right. it's not going to be easy and so we've got to be very very clear with patients at the beginning that 
Yes, you're coming to us. Yes, we may be able to help you, but you're going to have to do a lot of work on yourself to be able to get us to that point. Mm. And I think allow the time as well. It's a bit like when we gain weight, you know, we, we, we might steadily gain weight over the years. And then you think, oh, I'm going to go on a quick fix diet and, and lose it all in six weeks. I mean, it's just not going to happen, isn't it? You know, it's going to take as long potentially to lose the weight as it, as it took to put on. And I guess the same might be true in certain healthcare conditions that, you know, if if your condition's been going on for years, you, it's going to take a little bit of time, isn't it, to, to unravel it. And as part of that process, you talk about assessing the patient. What kind of diagnostic tests do you do and do you rate that perhaps fall outside of conventional medicine? Good question. So when we take a patient on, we have very robust sort of background with regards to intake forms and and generally the way the way we tend to work and I tend to work is that I'll probably spend maybe a, a couple of hours just sitting with the file obviously they've done a very robust intake form and I like to scribble and get an understanding about where I'm going from that we bring them then in for a two-hour consultation list and what we're trying to do there is is um, I'm trying to develop a sort of um, a strategy in my head with this patient that is number one dealing with and immediate, what are we going to do now? What are we needing to do midterm? And what are we needing to do long term? Because what that allows me to do is to strategize where we may need to go to testing and how we do that testing as well. So let me give you an example of that is that you may have a patient who's come in who's, you know, diet's pretty terrible. And so whilst I could do a lot of um, nutrient testing, gut testing, Sometimes I just say to that patient, we're going to fundamentally concentrate on changing that diet and then go to testing maybe in 10 weeks time. So it really depends on how I've set the file up. I think where a lot of maybe conventional medicine fails is that I don't believe they're looking at some of the, I think, some of the fundamental tests, which I do think give you a lot of evidence about various pathways. And they could be anything from a point of view of, the nutrient side, I think they're very helpful. I think the microbiome side as well is increasingly helpful. Mm. And I, I also believe certainly with a lot of the patients that we see, some of the barrier function tests are quite important. But I would say that also with some of the fundamentals that are just really helpful, which might be, you know, the conventionally led testing. It really depends on the patient. Mm. What, what, what do you mean by barrier function testing? What, what would that be? Well, I think, again, remember, the whole point about why we do so much work at the beginning with a patient is that we're trying to, I always try to say to my patients, look, look, we're, we're trying to get the best bang for our buck. So what I need to do at the beginning is try and focus on which I think is the most appropriate test that we need, because, you know, you can test and test and test and test. And I think sure. that's one of the, I think, some of the downsides sometimes to functional medicine. I think some people can be over-tested. And, you know, but I would probably say that comes down to probably inexperience as a practitioner. Mm. As far as barrier function, so let me give you an example. You've probably heard of the term that they use leaky gut. Yes. So leaky gut can be tested in various ways. And the reason why I think, um, I mean, depending on the patient, I think that is a good test to do. And what you're looking at there is some of the structural proteins that get more elevated in the blood when when the the, the gut lining and, and gut barrier has been compromised. And I remember your 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 gut should be selectively permeable. And if I take a step back on that, 
what you've got to think about with regards to your digestive tract, it is the main place where you as a human are sort of sampling the outside world. And how a lot of immunologists want to talk about the gut is that it's not inside the body. It is a tube that if you pulled it straight, both from mouth to anus, there would be a tube there. Right. But it is a very important tube because it's where you fundamentally talk to the outside world and traffic the outside world into you. So right. the the gut lining is is a really, really important border control. And that's why we think maybe 60 to 70% of your total immune system resides along that lining because they are part and parcel of your border control. Wow. And so what they want to do is, is preferentially make sure that if there are troublemakers, then they mm-hmm. can deal with the troublemakers. But also they're, they're allowing you to sample and select the foods or the bacteria that may or may not want to come across that gut lining. So, and it's a really important part with regards to making sure that your body keeps it in a sort of a natural homeostatic control. Mm. For many people on this side is that that gut barrier becomes more compromised and we can fundamentally measure that. And that can be a real problem because when that barrier becomes more and more compromised, The risk then is that more and more things can cross the barrier that shouldn't. And when that happens, your immune system has to really react to things that come across. And that can cause a whole host of problems. And and, and this is, again, just to give you an example of this. What we, what we can see is that you can bring in different types of bacteria, particularly what we call a gram negative bacteria. And they have a particular sort of fatty come sugary molecule that sits on the back of those bacteria. And it's called lipopolysaccharides. And it's your immune system really does not get on with lipopolysaccharides. And it can induce, if you like, sickness-like behavior because your immune system is having to respond really aggressively to try and defend against that. And of course, this is part and parcel of the newer theories. Or, well, it's not so much the newer theories, but the, the more nuanced theories now with regards to depression. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure you know, Liz, that the serotonin theory of depression was, was, was debunked a couple of years back from the scientists yes. at UCL. And, and what, we, what we think, and, and that, that, that doesn't mean that low serotonin levels aren't involved with, with depression um, or low moods, but we think a lot of depression is, is down to the fact that people are depressed because they're inflamed. And a lot of that inflammation is coming from an immune system that has to consistently respond to things because they are coming across these barriers and your immune system has to respond. So not only do we see this at the, the gut barrier, we see this at the uh, oral mucosa. So again, this is why periodontal disease is becoming a keystone disease for other diseases to develop. But we're also seeing this on, on the blood-brain barrier. And one of the key aspects that we're, we're seeing in the literature with regards to Alzheimer's disease is whether you're having a blood-brain barrier that is more compromised than it should be and when that when that case happens then your immune system of your brain has to respond to invaders into the brain and again just one of the things we've got to think about alzheimer's is that for many alzheimer's is an is an infectious disease 
And so when we're looking at Alzheimer's, we have to think about, number one, are the bacteria or other substances that have managed to get through to, into the brain, and then the brain's own immune system has to respond to them. Now, as it should do. And this is why it's so important to understand barrier function, because if you always have um, borders that are open, you're always going to have an immune response because things are always going to be coming over. So that's why, particularly with chronic fatigue syndrome, particularly with stuff like Alzheimer's, particularly with depression, certainly some of those barrier function tests, I think are quite important, certainly in my opinion, to, to trying to give you a better indication of the bigger picture. That is absolutely fascinating. And my gosh, there's so much that we could dig into and unpack there. Interesting what you say about the work of uh, UCL, medics we had professor joanna moncrief on the podcast recently doing exactly that debunking the chemical imbalance theory of depression and you know linking it purely to serotonin and to then relate it to an improved barrier function blood brain barrier function so what it would the functional medicines take be say on antidepressants well, look, I think the key on this is that I think the whole point about functional medicine is that you are in a situation where it's got to be completely unique and personalized to the individual because each individual is unique. Um, it's a really interesting question with regards to antidepressants. And I think it really sort of involves the bigger picture of the patient. So in my experience, obviously, I'm not, I'm not a medical doctor. So what I can't do is, is that I can't influence the prescribing nature or the decision making around that. What I would tend to do, I mean, we have lots of patients who come in who are on antidepressants, and that's fine. So my role on, on, on that side, Liz, was number one, to upset that, but also number two, to actually do the, do the full picture of their health and work on all the mechanisms that may also be involved with regards to why that patient may be depressed. And, and again, I think we've alluded to, to some of them that we've just talked about. It, it's, it's, as you say, is that you're looking to get to the point where I think there's a couple of things to think about with antidepressants. They do work in, 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 in some patients. Mm -hmm. So I think we've got to be careful to suggest that just because the serotonin theory of depression has been debunked, which I think it, it conclusively has. That doesn't mean to say that you don't have patients with low serotonin levels. And once they're put on onto, a, um, onto an antidepressive medication, it doesn't, it, it works for them. I think there's a mm -hmm. good argument for that. But I think my argument would be, okay, well, the longer term, why, why is it you've got low serotonin levels? <laughs> That's the thing. It's the why, isn't it? It's not just, oh, you, oh, you've got low serotonin. So, you know, we can do something about that with a, with a tablet. It's, well, why have you got low serotonin? And yeah. how do we fix and, that? And then because... you start looking at the bigger picture. You mm -hmm. know, are these patients, you know, um, are they generalized? Do they have generalized anxiety? You know, what's happening in their life? Have they had past trauma? What are their relationships? Is their gut function good? Mm -hmm. And so this is where I'm building the sort of the 360 picture that adds into that. And, and hopefully what you're trying to do there is that set a long-term strategy that by the time they, you know, he may be been working for them for the year to 18 months, you can actually, they may be in a, into, a, into a stage where they can actually start stepping down. Now, you've got to be incredibly careful with step down with antidepressants. So, you know, we've got to make sure that if they are going to step down, it's done really well with the GP mm -hmm. or, or whoever the primary care um, provider is. And it's done over time. And I never recommend that it's done. Um, I always say to our patients, look, if we get to that point, we need to do it in the summer. 
we certainly don't want to be doing it in the winter. Right. Yeah, interesting point. Very practical. I mean, we had James Kinross, a consultant surgeon specialising in the gut microbiome on the show a few weeks ago. And I think from what I'm picking up here is that, you know, you talk about the majority of our immune cells being created in the gut and this the reinforcement, the importance of reinforcing this gut barrier, this gut lining, which we know is sort of basically is at the epithelial cell layer. It's yep. only like one yep. cell thin. Tiny. So it's yep. tiny, tiny, tiny. Presumably functional medicine focuses on the importance of gut health as, as a fundamental. Well, look, I think you've got to look at it from a point of view of there's a couple of questions that I always say to our patients when they come in. And I suppose the easiest way to think about this is what is a human and and what does a human consist of? And I think what we've learned is that we are sort of a little, a little bit more bacterial cells than human cells. That's what makes us up. There's a technical mm. word that we use to describe a human and that's a holobian. Right. And what a holobian is, is that it's a combination of different species that live together in one vehicle, the human body. And we're always trying to have favorable outcomes for both our bacteria and our human cells. And I think a lot of the sick chronic people that come to us, I think have been worked up brilliantly from a point of view of conventional medicine, but they haven't asked that question. And the question I always say to our patients is, given that you're more bacterial than human, a human cells, wouldn't it, wouldn't it make sense that we actually start looking at the health of your bacteria to give us an indication about whether that's problematic? And so that's where we start exploring that. And again, I see a lot of chronic fatigue patients, fibromyalgia, and you know a, a lot of women who suffer from gut issues. They've got vaginal thrush and bacterial vaginosis. They've got sinus mm. issues. And they are all related to these mucosal surfaces that are dominated by different microbe species. And so I know I want to sort of really investigate that. So would you be advocating things like taking probiotics to proliferate beneficial bacteria in the gut? You know, what about supplements like butyrate, for example, or, or actually, you know, having practices that will encourage levels of butyrate in the gut, which from my understanding is, is going to help reinforce this protective barrier? Yeah, I think there's a I think there's a triple answer to that. And I think when uh, obviously the the microbiome world has gone crazy over the last 20 years. And so the amount of research coming out on that has been amazing. And I've been very fortunate to be involved with some really great groups. And so there's a couple of things we've got to think about. Number one, we're in a world now where we're looking at prebiotics probiotics and postbiotics. And so. I suppose the question on, on that you've asked is, is it going to be beneficial for me to take a probiotic? And I, I would say it depends. Um, and it really depends on whether that probiotic is going to be beneficial for your microbiome at that time. And you're probably 50-50, Liz, on that side. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's really important to understand the difference because what a probiotic does it's a little bit like you're giving a huge amount of policemen to come into the gut and help calm the gut and help control the gut for a period of time so if you take a probiotic it's generally going to stay in your system for about 10 days to two weeks it doesn't help you proliferate your own microbiome but what it does it's almost like it 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 helps you to stop 
trouble mm-hmm. whilst your own microbiome may be able to start standing on its own two feet again. But really your own microbiome can only really start to proliferate the sort of the good commensals. And again, remember your microbiome is, it's always a question of, you want more good guys than bad guys. I think that's the key to think about. And that's where I think plant foods, prebiotics are most helpful. They're the ones that almost are the super fuel for your own microbiome. The probiotics are more the policemen that help control trouble. And importantly, as you say, butyrate, and I, I'm using a lot of butyrate because I think it's a pretty fantastic Interesting. product. Interesting. Am I right in saying that that's a postbiotic? It's a postbiotic. Now, let me just be clear on this, is that if you have a very high um, fibre diet, plant foods, they tend to be, with the literature, the most important things for proliferating a really good microbiome. And if you do that, your body makes... And you can test this in, in stools, Liz. So we do quite a lot of this um, on testing because you can you can test, if you like, the sort of metabolic health of your microbiome because when it's really healthy and it's being given, I remember we talked about, you know, your bacteria in your around your body, they just want a really nice place to live. And if you give them the right environment, they will do lots of great things for you. And one of the great things that we do, if you feed your microbiome, particularly with a lot of plant foods that have a lot of fiber, they produce a lot of short chain fatty acids, one of them being butyrate. And so you can measure that and you can get an indication from a still sample. Well, how well are we doing here? And butyrate seems to have these amazing properties of not only sort of locally helping calm the immune response at the barrier the gut barrier but it also seems to be able to do some pretty spectacular things up at the blood brain barrier as well so you've got that gut brain access that butyrate really seems to do a a really good job from brilliant so as well as eating more fiber would you suggest a butyrate supplement Can, can we take one uh well um it's di- it's difficult to sit on the f- I'm, I'm going to sort of sit on the fence okay. here um and what i would say on that is that we use a lot of supplementation but it's usually from more targeted information and testing so i don't think there would be, generally there would be any harm from taking it but i always go back to the question is that i think you want to take it back to the basics and and actually ask that question well you know just how much plant foods on a daily basis am i getting from from my diet and that would be my first port of call mm-hmm. brilliant we'll stay there pete we'll come back in a moment and talk more about the practicalities of your prescribed treatments as well as preventative measures too Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, so let us continue this deep dive. It's, it's such a fascinating subject. And I'd love to really look at perhaps where the brain fits into all of this. As I mentioned in the intro, you were an early adopter of the Professor Dale Bredesden training, which looks to better understand neurodegeneration, things like Alzheimer's. What, what are the main principles in this school of thought? And, and how do you apply them to your patients? Well, I think if we look at the Alzheimer's research, uh, I, I think, again, it is that I think this goes with any chronic disease is there's lots that you can do to offset your risk on an Alzheimer's. There are some genes that you certainly one gene in particular, which is the APOE gene that you definitely want to get an indication of um, where you are from that. And again, maybe understanding family history. Um, if there's a significant history of Alzheimer's um, in the family, then that might be something to think about. But I think for me, understanding your risk of Alzheimer's, I see Alzheimer's as just another chronic disease where some of the fundamental basics of lifestyle seem to be the biggest hitters with regards to making the most risk reduction. So whilst you can get a lot of fancy stuff on that, I think you've got to make sure that you're doing your basics well. And obviously, obviously, Alzheimer's is more a, um, a female-related disease. Um, yeah, so more females links into uh, declining estrogen levels. It does, and and you know mm. what, Liz, it's a really important thing to think about because it's a really important phase. You know what is clear on this is that when women go into perimenopause or postmenopause, they they lose an incredibly important hormone from a point of view of protecting the brain over many aspects of that brain you know and estrogen is incredibly protective for that prefrontal cortex and importantly the hippocampus you know which are the the memory centers so this is why you when you start getting a woman who's moving into perimenopause or into menopause you know they suddenly start forgetting things yeah, you know, I can't remember anything. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it really does have a, oestrogen really does have a, an incredibly important role with regards to helping the, the sort of 
neuronal synapses to work effectively. Um, it really has, as I say, strong influence with regards to the hippocampus and and also, as I said to you, what you'll start to what you'll start to see on on women as they go into perimenopause. Number one, the concentration level is t- is terrible in some of them. The, the capacity to process things again slows down. And what again I think is fascinating on the research is the the evidence of when to administrate maybe a HRT. Yes. And to help save the brain. I mean, I'm sure you're aware of this, but very much um, so. Yeah, I've, I've recorded podcasts, um, Professor Jayashree in uh, Australia, who's done MRI imaging. In fact, I was talking about it in an episode just before Christmas, actually, uh, showing that the, the dramatic drop in estrogen massively impacting those areas of the brain involved with depression and memory loss uh, and, you know, leading to Alzheimer's and general neurodegeneration. I mean, this is something that we're only just beginning to kind of document, I guess, clinically. But it's fascinating that, you know, functional medicine practitioners are perhaps more aware of it and, and presumably you know, big fans of replacement hormones. Yeah. So, so for us, we will, um, if we've got a, a female and again, I think all of these steps, number one, are unique and personal to an individual. And number mm-hmm. two, you know, we've got to make sure that we can work. Obviously we're building a pretty big file, but we work with specialist hormone specialists like, um, Dr. Gazala Scott, um, at the Marion Gluck. She does some work with some of our patients and her team as well. And they are sort of experts of understanding of individualizing, you know, HRT replacement. So it's not that we're taking a sort of, um, you know, a standardized population view with regards to HRT. The HRT has been personalized to that patient based on what we're seeing with regards to hormones. And it's not just about the estrogen replacement, Liz. It's about all the other hormones that work together. And I think this is the key is that we're always looking at making sure that if we're using hormone replacement that we're we're placing the hormone replacement within the bigger picture of you know stress hormones like cortisol dhea Mm. and all those aspects so we're trying to almost in very simple terms but in very sort of personalized and unique ways looking at if we do give hrt what are the consequences with the the whole body health and what do we need to help and adjust and and that's why for me who i think i'm a pretty good conductor of the orchestra will still need a specialist in certain areas to say, mm-hmm. areas to say Pete we'll sort this bit out and then we'll connect back into you about how we're taking this patient forward. Mm. How do you work with people who come to you suffering from burnout? I mean that seems to be such a common thing particularly amongst you know kind of stressed out individuals you know from city executives just to, to general you know exhaustion in later life and Burnout doesn't sound like a particularly scientific description, but I suspect that it has a very real effect on the body. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good description, Liz, to be fair, Um, (laughs) because, you know, I always remember I I dealt with one advertising um, CEO once and he said, mate, my life is just like living in a twilight zone. I'm just so exhausted from, you know, from the process is that it's not really living. So I found that quite interesting. Mm. There's a couple of things I find interesting on that is that it's not that they don't know that they're in trouble. And I think burnout's quite an interesting thing from a point of view of to really get to the root cause, you've got to get an understanding of your patient. And, you know, and this is what I always say to my patients is say to them, look, you know, the reality of this is that we've got to get to know each other at a slightly, at a, at a much deeper level. 
Because if we're just going to do a superficial relationship, we're never going to get to the bottom of things because the reality of maybe why you're burnout is down to, you know, the way you grew up, the way you look at things, you know, and the fact that you, you know, why is it, why is it that you're working so hard? What is that down to? My gosh, so that you're, that you're even driving in sort of why do you have such a work ethic, not just, you know, why, why is this disease happening? But you, you're, you're taking even further back and thinking, well, there might be a personality or psychological reason that is impacting your physicality. Well, yeah. So, Liz, I think for most people who are chronically sick, I think that is fundamentally usually a big chunk of the reason. Wow. Um, so we have thing, to go back, you know. We have to go back and understand the story. They have mm-hmm. to be prepared to go on that journey as well. And again, with that, again, particularly with trauma, if we are going to go down that route, and 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 I, you know, I, I sort of sniff it out quite quickly that this is a patient that is going to need external help because the way they view the outside world is what's driving their illness to to quite a large degree. And and as I said to you, I'm a pretty good conductor of the orchestra but that's when I will say to them look I think we need some psychological intervention because the way your brain is viewing the outside world both from a point of view of genetics and maybe what's happened is as you've grown up etc is driving the problem and until we get to understand that a bit better we're maybe not ever getting to the root cause What we've been quite clever about is that obviously we can also look into certain genetics. So I'll give you an example of this, which certainly associated with executive burnout, is that I do see quite a lot of executives. And um, what's quite interesting about them is that a lot of them have dopamine gene deficits. And what I mean by that is that the dopamine cup is never full. You know, and I, did, I try and keep try and keep this analogy really simple. Is that you know, dopamine is a is a neurotransmitter that is associated with reward. It's associated with good focus, and it's generally a sort of nice thing to have. And when you get patients who have gene deficits around dopamine, it means that they're more at risk of number one having addictive behaviours, low moods, but also again. You know, I think I can give you an example of binge eating as well. We see this quite a lot. Mm. And so what's going to happen to those patients is every single day humans need to be rewarded. And so when you're talking about burnout, there's another question, you know, is that, you know, how are you being rewarded on a daily basis? Is it you're really fulfilled by work, etc.? cetera? And, and that's great. Because what you start to see with people, number one, stress is the most dominant hormone. It's the most powerful one because it's the only one that really keeps you, keeps you alive. And so it always dominates the sort of hormonal picture. And, and whilst stress dominates, some of the feel-good hormones have, have less of an impact. And so let's imagine you've done a really difficult day and like everything, you know, your dopamine cup that is already half full because you've got genetics that predispose you, your dopamine cup's pretty empty. So how do you reward yourself? Well, a lot of people, it really is addicted substances and that could be alcohol that could be smoking that could be shopping see a lot of that but it <laughs> really? could, yeah no no listen, don't get me wrong I mean in uh, in some in some I can think of one patient in particular where we actually asked her to go back to shopping because we knew we were going to stimulate dopamine from that she was happy and um, she was getting a little bit more dopamine so there's just as I say there's some really sort of unique amazing. ways that you can help yeah. individuals 
Yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm definitely going to come and see if you're going to prescribe more shopping. Pete, there's just so much here that, that I want to continue talking to you about. I feel that we've only just scratched the surface and there are so many more really practical tips and hints that, that we can glean from your vast amount of knowledge, having kind of set out the stall, if you like, for the, the, the purpose and the areas of functional medicine. Um, I'm wondering whether we can perhaps pick up in a second podcast to follow on from this to actually drill down in in some more detail, because I think you're just opening people's eyes and ears, I think, to the possibilities. And it's just so great at this time of year, the beginning of the year, when we might think about starting new regimes and a new way of, of looking at our healthcare. Uh, would you be up for that? I'm happy with that. Yeah. yeah as Excellent. you can see, I, I like talking. <laughs> I love it. I love that you do. So um, thank you for today. Pleasure. And we'll pick up maybe even next week. Thank you. Okay, sounds great. Wow. Okay, there was just so much in there that I really do want to be able to carry on exploring. Things like oral health, nutritional supplements, exercise strategies and tracking. So as a special treat to really kickstart a good and healthy 2024 for us, Pete is going to be back here next week answering even more of my many, many questions. And in the meantime, we touched on previous episodes with Professor Joanna Moncrief and Dr. James Kinross on depression theories and the gut microbiome, respectively. Do scroll back in your feed to listen to those episodes if your interest has been piqued. And if you'd like to listen to those or any future episodes ad-free, do subscribe to the Lizelle Wellbeing Show Plus on Apple Podcasts. That way you get all of those ad-free episodes 24 hours before general release for just a very small monthly fee. Well, are you committed to making this year your healthiest yet? Do sign up to the Lizelle Wellbeing newsletter. It's completely free. You can do that at lizellewellbeing.com. We have two of them. Actually, you have to sign up to both if you'd like to receive both of them. One is the editorial newsletter that goes out on a Friday afternoon, packed with lots of things for the weekend, links to podcasts like this one and offers and features, competitions and more. And then there's one called Liz Loves, which is all the discount codes and money saving offers that goes out on a Tuesday. Well, what would you like your approach to your medical care to look like this year? Do let me know by leaving a comment on Instagram at Lizelle Wellbeing. And I'm also on there too, at Lizelle Me. Well, Pete and I will catch you back here next week. Until then, go well. Goodbye. The Lizelle Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Lizelle, and is produced by Nushka Tate for Fresh Air Production, with additional production support from Ellie Smith. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.